Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And if this is your first time joining us, thank you for being here. We are a happily married couple of 14 years with... Almost 14 Almost 14 years. years. We're in our 13th year. We have four children, ages 11 through 3. We got started kind of late too, so I call myself Grandpa Dad. Um, and we live in Montana, and this podcast generally is a reflection of our lives. Um, we don't rehearse anything, we don't plan anything, we don't have any fancy... Uh, Molly usually has some notes, but we don't have anything, like there's no pre-planning here. We just turn on the microphone, hit record, and go. So um, <clears throat> if we mention any links or any... Uh, topics or anything like that, I record them in the show notes as we talk, and then I put them in the show notes of the of the show when we get it uploaded. So that said, I'm sorry, everybody, that we missed last week. Um, I think I said on, I apologize to everybody on the Telegram group, the link to join that if you're not part of our Telegram group is in the show notes. They're typically the first people to hear about anything related to the show. So um, but life got kind of out of the way and I confess not out of the way, out of hand, out of hand. I confess that I made some things, um, just a higher priority than, than doing the show. And I, I need to not do that. Well, I can't remember what happened Wednesday, Tuesday. We had a lunch mm-hmm. Wednesday. I can't remember what happened. We can do it Wednesday. It was a scheduling thing. I was in the middle of doing something on the van, I think, and it was just everything was torn apart. And oh, it was, and then you yep. had something going on, and it was just, and then something got, happened Thursday, and then, and then it got just no fr- Thursday. <clears throat> I had that really bad sinus headache. That's oh, yeah. Thir- we were going to record the show Thursday, and then you got sick. So, speaking of oh. which, I, our kids, Faith has had a runny nose, snotty nose nonstop for a month now, probably. Titus mm-hmm. goes in waves. He coughs almost every morning, and then most days he's fine. And so we go about normal life. But he is not at judo tonight as we're recording because he was complaining of a cough. But I took this thing that I had seen suggested for helping kill the COVID virus in your nose. And I gave it to Titus because he was really concerned his cold would keep him from going to the judo tournament in Powell, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And it kind of burns your nose, I'm not going to lie. And it turns out to be a mixture of some different essential it's, oils well, like pine and The burning feeling is the death of whatever virus is in It there. is. It is. But it's so you guys it's called Poneris, P O N A R I S. And apparently on the box it has a picture of an astronaut. And it says it was included in NASA's medical space kit, which got me thinking do astronauts get colds and stomach bugs? I feel like they should quarantine them for long enough that they're not taking stomach bugs and the like into space with them. And then they're in this hermetically sealed environment. So how are they going to get a cold requiring... I mean, is it is it hermetically sealed? There's nothing in the vacuum of space, to so it doesn't... I mean, it's sealed... Yeah, but, but they're not they're not catching viruses no, from I mean, Martians no viruses or asteroids up there. out there. Yeah, or space. So it just made me wonder. And bacteria. if I feel like they're probably not going to get food poisoning because they're reconstituting 
astronaut food, right? Maybe the body just has interesting reactions to interesting things. That's true. To or they can't going pick up places on like that. Latent. So just colds. gonna do a quick duck duck go search, even though duck duck having a runny go nose in space would suck. In like but no there's gravity. No, there's no gravity, so it would I know. just stay it in would, your nose. It would suck. Like that's why it would stink. It wouldn't suck. It would just wouldn't go anywhere. I, I know. That's why it would be <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like, Dude, I think I have a runny nose. Do I have a runny nose? I don't know. I feel congested. Throw up in space. Uh, so there's there's. Well, three. they are going to throw up because nausea. There are anti gravity will make can make you three sick. million views on a how to bark, no barf puke vomit in space video. There's another one. Do astronauts ever get sick in space? So this is not up, I'm not the first question how person to, th- to ask this. Yeah, but how to throw up? You don't need to know how to throw up in zero g. You need to know how to collect out of your mouth because yeah. once it goes, it's you know, an object is in perpetual motion is going to stay there until acted on by an outside force. That's it. Your body's projecting. Maybe you go backwards. It's like a gun. You know, the the you're with a handgun. I, I feel like you're just making this up. So no. I'm going to send you this YouTube video. I'm not, I'm not making it up. Okay. There's no gravity. So Verbo. your vomit is just going to your body is ejecting vomit and it's going to go out. Okay. And it's going to keep going unless you so collect it. I'm going to send you. This video, and there's a whole bunch of, the channel is called Video from Space. And if people want to watch it on their own time, they can figure out what astronauts do when they get sick in space. So anyway, where did that, oh, the nasal emollient. I'll also send you a link to that because I was looking at at it after I used it in the afternoon and again in, at night, and I woke up. And I was afraid. My nose was so congested. I was at that point where I didn't think I was going to be able to sleep because your nose is congested, so you mouth breathe, and then you wake up, and your mouth is all dry. By the way, there's this whole uh, school of people who tape their mouth shut when they sleep. Have you come across that? Mouth taping? No. Because apparently you get get better... I don't know. Some, there's all sorts of things that benefit you by nose breathing versus mouth breathing. Does when you're exercising as well as when you're sleeping and just in well, normal life. I mean, like, how often? How often do we, like, how often do we, do I sleep with my mouth open? Well, a lot of people with with closed up nasal nasal patches do all the time. That's a different issue, though, right? Because you can't breathe. But naturally, you are supposed to sleep with your mouth closed and through your nose. And if you sleep with your mouth open, not only does it like make give you worse oxygen intake somehow, it also makes you more susceptible to viruses because your nose. No, 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 don't interrupt me. Your nose filters out all sorts of viruses. Also, when you're breathing through your mouth, it dries up your teeth and makes them more susceptible to decay. And spiders can crawl in your mouth. <laughs> and spiders can crawl in your mouth. We all heard the stories as kids. I didn't like. Like, I didn't hear that. Yeah, like a like twenty. I can't remember the fact, the stat, or whatever. But spiders will crawl into your mouth and die at night when you sleep. Hmm. Don't extra, ever, don't ever tell Lily. Extra protein. <clears throat> I mean, come on. Apparently, yeah, the girls watched some video, some cooking video with your mom. If I don't know, I don't care. The other night, and they, some guy had to 
decorate a pizza with crickets. No, it was snails, wasn't it? And crickets. And crickets. Snails and crickets. Oh, that's right. You I've had, had crickets. I've had like the dried the dried bugs in Thailand, but I think I've mentioned that before. Um <clears throat> Yeah. Do you have something interesting you wanted to say? Maybe, but then you told me not to interrupt you and I forgot. Well, I'm it. done. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I listened to that. I finished that episode of the Model Health Show. You guys, I know some of you on the Telegram channel have said you learn, you love learning stuff about him. But I find myself wanting to buy everything he promotes. Like he was just promoting <laughs> real thing. Pruyere tea, uh, and I'm like, I gotta have this Pruyere tea. I mean, it's like you do want trusted. Look, you want trusted sources for your food, right? Mm-hmm. So I, when he's when he says it, it must be trusted. Um, Molly sent me a link. So there was this, it was, I listened to the episode on what's actually happening with body fat. What is body fat? I didn't fat send you loss. that link. No, you sent, I, sorry, I went too fast. Molly sent me a link about something today on Instagram and it's related oh. to a podcast I listened to on the model health show about, uh, body fat and how fat loss actually happens. And there's a new fat called beige a new discovery, new discovery called beige fat. And beige fat has the ability to turn white or brown. You want brown fats. Brown fats are really good. One of the things that turns um, beige fats brown is exercising in cold uh, environments, uh, like a cold swim, cold Does water. Does skiing, when you're all bundled up, count? Uh, parts of skiing, <laughs> I'm sure, totally count. Um, but yeah, so Molly sent me this this picture this instagram video of a guy i mean obviously he's just shredded it's like this simple daily routine can keep you lean and in shape for the rest of your life and it's this guy dipping himself into an ice barrel and it's it was actually a product ad for the barrel because it it's refrigerated Mm -hmm. yeah so that's fine um the gal who wrote a book on some of this stuff that the model health guy was interviewing said her husband went and swam every morning cold water swimming every morning and just lost so much weight she said he almost, he had to stop because he was getting emaciated um but no see like i'm not gonna have one of those because it's ridiculous i hate like the idea of those athletes you know that sit in those ice baths when they're mm-hmm. done working out that sounds terrible mm-hmm. it sounds horrible i don't ever want to do that so my mom told me when it was actually when when we thought we had COVID in March of 2020, and we probably didn't, but we just had a horrible, like the worst cold our family has gone through right after your knee surgery. You probably barely remember. But I was sitting in my mom's sauna, and she told me, well, you really need to take a cold shower after the sauna. And I would turn on this tepid water that was more lukewarm than cold, and it was unbearable. I'm such a wimp. Apparently, you you grow in your resilience. It actually forms the cold water thing forms mental resilience as well as ha- gives you all these physical immune boosting benefits as well as fat loss. But holy cow, I'm a wimp when it comes to cold. Me water. too. And I think it's but I think it's the same way as cold weather. You get acclimated. So last week, I think you guys last week it was probably. In the mornings, it'd be in the 30s, and by afternoon, it'd be mid-50s, you know. Even the 60s. Pushing the 60s. Well, in the morning, you'd get up and be like, oh, it's shorts weather, and you'd be out wearing shorts. The kids... 
So, Dad, it's so nice out right now. And they're outside. Lily is outside. Saturday morning. Saturday morning. She was outside on the back patio in shorts, sandals, and a t-shirt. Her and Elise are just coloring and drawing things. And Titus is out there in his hoodie and shorts and sandals just putzing around in the yard. And Faith, of course, is wearing her snow boots. And it was 38 degrees. Yeah. Faith, of course, is wearing her snow boots and her jacket. And they're like, Dad, it's so nice outside. And I look at the temperature and it's... 38 degrees. I've hidden face like, boots, by the way. You guys, she'd wear them all summer long. She would. Uh huh. She needs those. What about her galoshes? The Doesn't she have a pair of like She has multiple boots? pairs of them. Okay. We need to just change her her affection. She has to figure out how to yeah, reset Yeah. How about her just brain. some keen sandals? That's what I'm going to try reset to change her affections to. Reset the brain. Okay. Yeah. You sent me a link for Cork Dork. Yeah. And did we talk about Cork Dork last episode? We talked about it last episode, but I had a passage in here. Now now I have to see if I... I don't think I bookmarked it. Shoot, shoot, shoot. So Cork Dork, you guys, for those of you who need a refresher, because it's been a long time. This woman, the author is Bianca Bosker. She was a tech journalist and got intrigued by sommelier competitions and decided that she was going to quit her job and give herself a year to to earn accreditation with the with some to pass some big test of sommeliers and she spends all this time ingratiating herself with people who are much more talented and have more access than she does and she learns all of these really interesting things about smell and things like that but okay I did actually find it so so she she keeps referencing the fact it's very interesting because it's very much not a faith-based book it's what it reminds me very much of the book heat by a guy who's also a journalist and got himself apprenticed in Mario Batali's kitchen back before Mario Batali, you know, had a line of kitchenware where he was a very hard to get into his restaurants, up and coming New York chef. And the book Heat, this guy follows Mario's learning journey, going to learn to make something in a kitchen in England. And then he goes to Italy and he learns how to butcher and he learns how to make pasta from this little grandma. And he traces the origins of these food. And it's fascinating. You learn tons about the personality of this guy as well as about the restaurant industry as well as sources of food and quality food there's one scene in heat this is so off topic but there's one scene in heat where mario batali they've had this just drinking binge all night and he he, mario batali pulls out what he calls white bacon which is literally just the fat part of bacon Mm. and he makes the guy the author close his eyes and he lays it on his tongue and he tells him to talk about think about the flavors that he's experiencing because these pigs spent the last couple weeks of their lives eating nothing but like walnuts and apples and so that obviously has flavored the uh the fat speaking of which what was what was it that you learned about the beige fat from that podcast there was something you said about fat and toxins you don't remember what I'm talking no. about. Oh, it was an hour and a half of goodness on fat. Yeah. So you're going to post that link. 
problem with podcasts yeah, is they're all so it. long these days. Why do all these people have to talk so long? <laughs> right. No. We deliberately limit ourselves to an hour, or try anyway. Um... It was something that there's a particular type of fat that absorbs more of our toxins. Oh. We're going to have to do some homework. and Yeah. No, I mean, well, well, I do remember saying, you know, you you have to have you have to have fat to absorb toxins, because if you don't, your body wouldn't know what to do with it. Because it was I, I was mentioning fat's an organ when it's all there. Yeah, that's, why, that's uh, what it was. That fat is an organ. Anyway, you guys, it's it's a super interesting podcast. Okay. Back okay. to so anyway, dork. so she's so she is Jr. Totally keyed on on what's gotten me attracted to it is her her reconnecting with her humanity through um through utilizing her senses in a way that she has not for her career as a tech. As a tech reporter, where she is literally sitting behind a computer screen all day, writing about computery things and not using any of her senses, but she's realizing that she she's marveling at all these people who, for example, later on, this guy, just by smelling and tasting a wine, identifies within 20 miles where this the grapes for this wine were grown. In all the world, he doesn't. He has the entire world to choose from, and he homes in on a region in France, right along a river, and then a particular part of the river. And then he doesn't win this competition in part because he had the wrong side of the river. That's how finely these guys have tuned their senses, which just doesn't even seem possible to me. But so she's she's getting back in touch with her senses, and she. Um, she's talking about how smell and taste, taste in particular, smell in particular, but also taste are the least appreciated of our senses. And she says to the great Greek philosopher, Plato, these taste and smell were the no good degenerates of the five senses. Well, Plato argued that hearing and sight could bring aesthetic pleasure. The experiences of the nose and mouth were fleeting intellectually bankrupt stimulations at best they merely tickled the body and at worst they turned men into savages as plato saw our appetite fueling flavor apparatus the part of the soul which desires meats and drinks was no better than quote a wild animal which was chained up with a man left to its own devices this inner beast could provoke such frenzies of gluttony as to make the whole race an enemy to philosophy and music Coming from a philosopher, this was a particularly heinous crime. This mindset was perpetuated by generations of thinkers who likewise turned their noses at, well, their noses and tongues. These were the untrustworthy sensory organs, corrupting gateways to gluttony and vice, all wrapped up with the ugly needs of the flesh. It is clearly impossible, wrote Thomas Aquinas, that human happiness consists in pleasures of the body, the chief of which are the pleasures of the table and sex. Rene Descartes considered sight the noblest and most comprehensive of the senses. Immanuel Kant, who agreed that vision was the noblest, scorned taste and smell as nothing but senses of organic sensation. He singled out smell as the most ungrateful and most dispensable sense, which it does not pay to cultivate. This snobbery toward the senses leaks into the fields far beyond philosophy— 
Even scientists declined to research these primitive, obsolete faculties. In a book on odors, Jacques Lemonen, a groundbreaking 20th century researcher focused on taste and olfaction, felt it necessary to justify his interest in what he dubs one of the minor senses. And she actually ends up at a at a conference of researchers who research, research smell later, and they're just kooky as can be. And she has some really <laughs> fun experiences with them. But it's so... Contrast that with, obviously, Supper of the Lamb, mm-hmm. obviously. But also, even Nancy Piercy's book, Love Thy Body, which she very deliberately chose that that title to provoke people to think what's Christian about loving your body. And she actually, in her first chapter, references Francis Schaeffer and his wife Edith has these books on homemaking and how incredibly valuable doing things that promote beauty, but that also for sure includes baking bread, which has tremendous smell and taste implications. And it's just all these different ways that people that I enjoy and admire celebrate the corporality of being human and how ultimately it's very Gnostic And obviously Mm -hmm. with Plato, very Gnostic to elevate uh, things that cannot be touched or tasted or smelled above things that can be touched or tasted or smelled. And, you know, and then you get you get the Lord himself, who through David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And he's I don't think he's just speaking metaphorically. I think he's physically saying, look at the goodness of the world that God has created you and experience in all of these different ways that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And probably the most, obviously the incarnation is the clearest uh, celebration of the bodily, the importance of our being physical beings and our physical bodies but look at the lord's supper that jesus left us and as as presbyterians we have what i would consider a fairly lofty uh theology of the lord's supper high church of you yeah where we believe that that as a sacrament this is a way that god is tangibly communicating grace to our bodies because we need tangible experiences of grace and love in hugs and things like that, as well as things that we are eating and tasting. And what better elevation of of the sense of taste and its related sense of smell mm. than to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. Well it always marvels I'm always marveled by the fact that Food, God created us to need food to live. We have to consume food in every order day. to live every day. Um, and our bodies are designed to, as you know, we we listen to cool podcasts, we hear neat things, we learn more things about our body and nutrients and 
healthy living and eating and exercise and that ecosystem, that incredibly complex ecosystem is designed to process all of that food. And the amazing part to me is that not only did God create us to need physical nutrients to survive, but he made it so incredibly delicious with so many different variances. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the Model Health podcast, as we keep doing, keep coming back to it. I listened to one and I can't even remember the guest's name, but he was a psychiatrist or a psychologist who part of his practice, pioneering practice, apparently he's published many, many New York Times bestselling books. He scans people's brains and sees what part of their brains light up while they're doing different mental activities like problem solving and like finding hidden pictures or something. So Sean Stevenson, who interestingly enough brought his son, who's about Titus's age, along to watch. He's the host. He brought his son to watch the brain scan, and apparently he had trouble focusing on some of the the brain challenge things because his son was making pictures, like making faces at him. But he, they, the guy then uses how your brain lights up to pinpoint weaknesses in either your physical health or your mental health and then he he brings that to bear on your your emotional well-being as a psychologist but he and I it was kind of interesting I didn't really track with some of it probably because I was multitasking it wasn't the most interesting I wouldn't recommend it to other people as a this is a must listen but at the very beginning, the psychologist was saying one of the one of the things that he wants, obviously, as a psychologist, he wants to help people be happy, and he's using these brain scans to that end. But he cites a PragerU video with Prager himself as something that he watched decades ago, and it has just stuck with him. So I looked up the PragerU video, and it it's something called... Now I'm going to have to do a quick search. It's something about why we are morally obligated to be happy. And I didn't actually love... Okay, here's the premise of the video. I'll send it to you. The main premise of the video is that is that we are morally obligated to be as happy as we can be because our mental well-being impacts other people or our happiness. And he says, you look no further than a child who grows up with perpetually unhappy parents. They're doing that child a disservice by raising a child who would say that his or her quality of life was for sure affected by perpetually unhappy parents setting the mood in his home or... If you're married to someone who's perpetually unhappy, your quality of life is actually lessened by their persistent unhappiness. And so he says, as far as it depends on us, we actually have an obligation to pursue happiness because that makes the lives of people around us better. That doesn't surprise me at all. Nobody wants to be around unhappy people all the time. Okay, so nobody wants to be around around unhappy people, but that... Then flip the script on that and say that that you're then morally obligated to try to be happy. Uh, 
I don't know that I can go that far. I'd have to watch the video. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about that a lot because I don't necessarily... I like a lot of what PragerU does. I, I don't know... I felt like it would be a much more compelling presentation if it had the gospel in it. Yeah. And that's obviously not Prager stick. He's Jewish and they're trying to reach a libertarian mass conservative audience. But but do you think that Christians are obligated to happiness slash joy? The question for me tends to presume an action on my part. Um, Meaning I have to do something or regularly do something to remember that, you know, to facilitate or create happiness or joy in me. Um, one could argue that the gospel, salvation, grace through faith, could would be the source of that joy. But you always have to go back to like, what am I being joyful in? Why am I, where am I, where is my joy coming from? Um, obligation, I don't, I think that'd be going f- right now anyway, because you just, you put me on the spot. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a little bit of a stretch for me to go that far. Mm-hmm. Um, should we always be joyful, especially given the source of our joy is Christ and what he's done for us? Yeah, we should. Mm-hmm. Um, are we morally obligated to do that? Uh, uh, I, the more I've, I'm just while you're talking, I put, you, I put you on the spot so I could think. Because <laughs> <laughs> ah. I jotted down the PragerU video and I haven't given it a ton of thought because I've spent hours in the last week studying transgenderism. So all I've thought about almost nonstop for the last is the fluidity is, of human sexuality. Well, no. I've spent a ton of time trying to come up with a way that isn't full of gender stereotypes to say what's the beauty of being a woman. To Because a, a okay. lot of... Okay, this is we a, can save that conversation for a later date. Back yeah. to moral <laughs> obligation. Okay. We'll so, derail and we'll never come back. That's true. That's true. That's why this podcast is not packed with great information. It just rambles. And that's why it's an hour. <laughs> Um, and some people in the world, 800 people an episode seem to enjoy us scrambling. <laughs> um, so I think there are multiple facets where you could come at this and say, yes, we are obligated to be happy. Paul commands us be joyful always. Now let's pause. Let me pause. Are you going to make a distinction between joy and happy? No. I think I think I've that heard a lot, I a know lot of people out there who God calls us to be joyful, not to be happy, happy clappy exactly. all the time. I mean, yeah. I'm making a distinction between joy slash happy, joyful slash happy, and happy clappy. Okay, so I don't have to be bouncing around the house with my kids all day, beaming and happy. cheering and making me. sprinkle covered cupcakes and. Things like that. But I think that as a mom whose calling right now in life is to die to self in serving other people, 
if I communicate to those other people who are all shorter than I am, that that serving them and dying to self for them is a burden. They will not. I would say absolutely say we're morally obligated to do that. Right, but but it's a, it's a it's a function of love to them. I uh, to to make them not feel like burdens. And the way I do that is going about wiping up the water spills and dealing with the fits and teaching long division for the third time this week or answering what eight plus four is for the 16th time on one worksheet to do... I'm not doing it in love if I'm grumbly and angry and not communicating joy and happiness in how I'm serving my family. So that's one facet for it for me is it's a function of love, which also... If you're not... How do you convey joy outside the simple action? We could do a lot of stuff that we know we're supposed to do and really hate doing it. Are you saying that you're, you have to then do those things and, and have an f- outward physical manifestation of being joyful about it rather than grumbly about it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that we, the, the Bible's teaching on work, that it's something good, and even if it's not something we necessarily enjoy, and even if we find it futile, we are to find contentment where God has called us. Ecclesiastes and, is full of that. And, and gratitude, give thanks in all circumstances. So if we're cultivating thankfulness for whatever God has before us, that will be manifested in our countenance. And so I think that's one, another avenue is gratitude and contentment. Another avenue is considered all joy when you face trials and temptations of many kind because of what it's producing in you. So even if you're gratitude and if you're struggling with gratitude and contentment in your circumstance, Mm -hmm. you can shift to gratitude and contentment for what God is producing in you through the difficult circumstance. So I know that even if I have trouble being grateful for the circumstance, I know, this gets back to your Romans 8, that God is working it for good. And I think that, so the other day, JR, <laughs> JR comes into the be- bedroom, it was late it's at night. It's part of my Wednesday Bible. So every, typically, we're recording this show right now on Tuesday, typically every Tuesday, we get home from judo. I, I ski patrolled um, the last... I was going to go to judo tonight, but we opted to do the, to do the show, but I've been, I've been patrolling the last two days. We, I come home from judo, and then I'll edit the show. Um, I'll edit and post the show afterwards, and then I'll... When we get the kids down, then I'll come downstairs and read my Bible study. And currently we're going through Jay Gresham Machen's... Um, Things Unseen, which is a series of radio addresses on uh, systematic theology and a lot of real-world applications. That's what... So J.R. came upstairs and he was like, I think I've been reading Romans 8 way too individualistically. Is that an accurate way of saying it? You rephrased it that way. I came in and said... I feel like an idiot. Are you going to laugh at me too hard? <laughs> and I was like, I don't with know. Like, you, have to, you have to keep talking like, before I decide if I'm going to laugh. Because 
I, with all my experience, all my years of education and training and all the things I've been reading, I had a light bulb moment with Romans 8 that radically, completely changes the interpretation of everything. Like it just makes so much, just so much clearer or something. No. And that is essentially that you'd been reading Romans 8 too individualistically. Fair. Is yes. that... Yes. So... Rather than the full Romans 8 says, God works all things for the good of those who love him, who've been called according, who according to his purpose. And typical, <clears throat> growing up, typical interpretations of that were, okay, called according to God's purpose. What is God's purpose? Well, if you look at the Westminster Catechism, God's purpose is to carry out his decrees through all humanity in creation and providence. And you're like, whoa, okay, so... I am called as part of God fulfilling his decrees throughout all creation and providence. That's God's purpose to fulfill those decrees. I am part of that picture. And well, no wonder all things will work together for good. So for me, it felt like there was a lot more hope in that than the individualistic one where you're running around going, what is God's purpose for my life? Dear Lord, what do you want me to do for you today? And then you answer it with Jeremiah 29, 11 on a graduation Oh my announcement. gosh. Oh, you have no idea. That's I, I do Molly. Know. I know. I know. It's just Molly and I so spend the way ESV, too much time in evangelical American We subculture. know that for those who love God, and all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So that I think there's both an individual and a a throughout all time in history and Corporate. all of God's people yeah. application to that. And if we consider our identity to be rooted firmly in this people of God and the God of all time in history, then it's one and the same. But it's kind of like saying Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, we focus on he will give me the desires of my heart. I want a new Ferrari. Rather, rather than when we're aligning our tastes and our desires with who God is and what he's doing, then our hearts are deeply satisfied in him, no matter what our circumstances look like. So I guess that that is another answer to the we're morally obligated to be happy because we're deeply satisfied mm-hmm. in who God is and what he's doing, regardless of what's going on See, around again, us. See, again, I'm struggling with the moral obligation piece. I feel like it's a... Does that sound more, too moralistic? It might. Like it's too dependent upon my actions. I don't when know. I can do it all day long, but do I feel it or not? I've got... I've got a better way to phrase it for you. You ready for this? Uh-huh. God wants you to be happy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Your best life. Now. And forever. Living your best life now. No, but, but, um, but, for, but for real, God wants you to be happy because what is the chief purpose of man? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Forever, He wants you to be happy, but He wants you to be happy in what's best, and that's Him. Yes, and I guess what I'm struggling with is there's a lot of times we don't feel that we're not feeling it. We're upset. It's not there. Um, am I morally obligated then in those contexts to continue to be happy and joyful? No. I think what I'm morally obligated to 
do is address the root cause of that. I guess what I'm kind of seeing is there's like this cause and effect. And here we are focusing on the effect or the outward action without addressing the root cause and saying, this is the, the outward behavior is the moral obligation and not the internal heart driver of See, that outward. I'm behavior. approaching this a little bit differently than you are though, because when our outward behavior impacts somebody else deeply, like a spouse or a roommate, or if you're a teacher, the students in your classroom, or if you're a parent, your kids at home, your root in in your heart, the fruit of the spirit in your heart includes self-control to control the external manifestation of what you're feeling in your heart. So you can be angry and not sin. It gives you gentleness, patience, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of those things, those... when you're upset, you're grumbly, you use the fruit of the Spirit to show love to the people around you in moderating <clears throat> how you how upset you act or how distraught or how sad or how grumbly you act with your outside world and your closest neighbors. And that is an act of love. And that love is not a surface level moral obligation. That love is a commitment to doing what's best for them because God has done what's best for you despite not being in ideal circumstances when he had to die on the cross for your sins. Um, and so, so for me, the moral obligation is, is probably not the phrasing that I would have chosen, but it got me thinking, particularly for me, when I am not happy with how my life is going, I am called to love the people around me more than... I love myself and whatever I want that I'm not getting. And that love manifests itself in in being gentle and in being joyful, despite how I may be feeling, because, particularly for me at home with the kids, my behavior impacts their quality of life in a very real way. Okay. I punched in joyful into the ESV just to kind of bring up various out-of-context Bible passages on things. Almost without question, a lot of them, most of them relate to something related to the heart or related to your relationship with Christ. Um, so, I, and I'm, I had this random thought of, our, of a couple of people specifically coming to mind on Telegram who are going to be like pounding out, be joyful command verses. Um, after listening to the show. So, on your marks, you set, go. How many can you list? Um, I think we should, as Christians, we should have a natural joyfulness that occurs in um, in giving, in serving the Lord, in loving others. And if we don't, we need to be investigating why. Mm. We don't have a natural joyfulness. Um. But I don't think... I, right, I mean, you can only fake it even with your kids for so right. long, right? Like, right. I'm obligated to be happy for you and to make your life great. Which you is can't. a which is a downright lie. Like, you, you're not going to be 
happy with your kids. They're going to see right through you. You're lying to yourself. You're like, I'm not morally obligated to be. I'm not happy with you right now. Um, no, I th- I feel like you're you and I are not talking on the same plane right now in terms of what I feel obligated. You are always talking a little bit above my no, head. like a little bit above me. You're always kind of on this upper. <laughs> when we're talking about what I feel as an obligation to the kids in terms of attitude, you're I feel like you're saying that I feel like I have to fake it and always be chipper skipper with them, which we know is not true. I wake up every morning. And it takes me well over an hour to be a pleasant person. <laughs> we know this. The kids know this. They're not welcome to snuggle in bed with me unless they keep their mouths closed. They know this. I'm saying that be that underneath that is a heart attitude. And, and yes, if I'm forcing myself to be chipper in the morning, that's only going to last for so long. And it's faking it. But what I'm saying is I think God calls me to a deeper gentleness and love born out of humility and not thinking of myself more highly than I ought in my calling and a desire to bless them because they are the work that God has placed before me and their fellow image bearers, their brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as my kids who need gentleness and love to lead them into repentance and trust in Christ. See, now I think all those things are, are more, you're morally obligated to do those based on and, what God commands us to those, in scripture. Those but just to, to generally, be, generically be joyful that just no, in the context. No, no, no. You yeah. have, you have to have a deeper joy in order to have a countenance of joy and gentleness and of kindness to other people. Like, the fruit of the spirit, all of this external stuff, these trappings, are not something you can just do. There's something that grows out of who you are, which is the spirit working in you. Okay. Bring this full circle to Cork Dork. I can't do that. How do we... Drink wine to be happier? You no, went... that's toxic mommy culture. <laughs> <laughs> you went from one to the other, and I was actually mentally for a second there to kind of no, no, trying no, to where trace I went, back. No, I didn't go from from Cork Dork. I went from I went back to the Model Health Show because <clears throat> this guy cited the Prager U video. Oh, and right. Dennis Prager doing a video saying that we're morally obligated to be happy because of okay. how happiness affects all right. All right, I got it. other people. I do have have a joke <clears throat> for you though to close us out. Titus came up with this. I don't know if you've you, got like another. Six, seven. Minutes. Okay, I can talk about my shopping habits on Amazon. <laughs> I was just shopping. My brother texted me. So, you guys, we're going to Hawaii at the end of April for my parents' 50th anniversary. And I was texting back and forth with my brother who has no show two that week. little kids. Yes, no show the week of I'm April. Not, I don't, I'm not equipped. April 25th. 100% or yet to do a travel, a travel rig. Maybe we'll be more active on Instagram than we are on other weeks. But so May, April 26th, 27th, 28th. Don't be waiting with bated breath for anything from I'll, us. But I'll be taking more photos because I'm going to do some HDR stuff. My brother said that his six-year-old son has been practicing snorkeling in the bathtub. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. Because there's a couple of decent snorkeling beaches on Kauai where we'll be going and of those, some of them are kid-friendly. 
There's some really cool snorkeling alternatives on Amazon. Do you remember when Titus was three and we went to Hawaii? We had that see-through like We didn't have one. Thing. There was nothing like that at the time. Oh. When did we get the inflatable see-through thing? We didn't. We don't have an inflatable see-through. We had thing. one you could see through. There was a little, a little hole. There's all sorts window. of. There's clear-bottomed floats now. Why are we going to get alternative snorkeling things and not let the kids actually snorkel? I'm not sure that our kids are going to be able to manage that just right off the bat without having practiced. Well, we your parents have a hot tub. Okay, that's true. They just need a snorkel and masks, and they can just stand there and stick their faces in the water. Done. Okay. What about, like, little Faith? We could put her on this little... She needs something to like a little window. Yeah. There's some kind of cool... There's also, like, a... Almost like binoculars, only the whole bottom is open, and it's just a little thing like this that you stick your face in the water, and you walk around like this, and you can see just like you're on a snorkel, you know, wearing a snorkel thing, but you're just walking around doing this. Anyway, I'll show you some options later. I was looking at that. Um, yeah. I don't really have much else except Why are women you... compelled to buy new outfits? I have no That's problem with question. you wanting to buy new swimsuits for this trip or a new swimsuit. I just can't figure out why. Like I like my old one that I bought last time. I don't feel compelled to buy a new one. I don't know. Oh, I got to do it on Friday night. I need to buy a new outfit. Yeah, mm-hmm. Women in swimsuits is it this constant, not even love-hate, just mostly hate mm-hmm. relationship. And as someone who is now several years over the age of 40 and four kids in, somehow several? my body... Like two. That's several. My no, body it's two. Three changes is. every single swimsuit season. And I put on last season's swimsuit and I'm like... Like something weird like bulges out that wasn't there before or like something overhangs that wasn't there before. And I just am like, I feel like a different style of swimsuit would fit this new version, you know, Molly 43.2 better than what I wore last year or last year's swimsuit. The true reason we live in the winter climates is so Molly can bundle up and not ever have to worry about those things ever, ever at all. I mean, you're sitting in this huge baggy, big, really comfortable. Big, thick sweater. Yeah, it was like 60 mile an hour winds all day here. And even though it's not bitterly cold, the wind just ripped around the side of our house. And at one point our house that was... Window cut. At one point our house was 63 degrees. <laughs> Because I wasn't going to turn it. It was coming in through. It'll come in through every crack. I wasn't. Well, and it just kind of pulls the heat out. And so we finally turned the fireplace on because everybody was cold. But yes, we're in a big I spent the night in the van last night and the wind got ripped enough a few times that it woke me up. But. Yeah, I was wondering how you were doing sleeping in the van. Um, What do you get when you cross a pirate and a Star Wars droid <laughs> i know the answer but i'll let you do it no this is this isn't even my joke titus yeah. i don't know if titus made this up or if he just told us r2d2 <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was pretty good you had a c3p1 that paired with it and you were like that that one needs that's some not work. very funny yeah <laughs> and then last mom night, just unimpressed <laughs> i part of part of my loving my children well is being honest with them and that one doesn't work. 
Except yeah. then, on the other hand, Faith is telling jokes at the dinner table last night, and I'm recording them and sending them to Jr. <laughs> and she and I'm like, I don't even understand what she's saying right now. <laughs> and she'd get something about this man ate some food and then put a pillow on his face, and she just burst out laughing. And the other kids are glaring at her because it's not funny. My mom has a story of us and our cousins doing similar jokes that made no sense, and we were just doubling over in laughter. So I don't know. You know what gets into you. And then as a parent, you just laugh because it's cute. You like seeing your kids joyful Mm -hmm. because we're morally obligated to be joyful people. Like. (laughs) Something about that phrase. It doesn't work for me. Something does still doesn't work for me. I, I can see you could eventually make the case like you should be. Yeah, it's okay. We've already hashed it out. It's just, it's not, okay, here's still not one square in final, the circle for me. One final thought that one of the moms at my Canavox meeting last night mentioned as a, kind of a sideline, but she encourages her kids to have good manners because it's a way of humbly showing love to other people. So manners are very socially conditioned, right? What's polite mm-hmm. in the United States at the dinner table is not necessarily what's polite in China at the dinner table or in Germany at the dinner table. But in America, we follow what's polite, considered polite in America, because that's a way of communicating love and respect to the people who are serving us or who are sharing the table with us. And if we go to another culture, we study and try to learn what's polite in that culture at that meal table, because we want to show love, Christ-like love, to the people who are sharing the meal with us at that table and other socially conditioned manners that in our individualistic American, you know, world, we go, we do what we want, you know, just this, I, I don't have to, I don't have to do these silly things that other people expect of me, but actually maybe, maybe you don't, maybe you have the liberty of conscience to not but maybe you're actually called to do a silly cultural thing, like if it's a stumbling block. When I was in seminary, I visited a friend who went to a very, very small Dutch Reformed congregation in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and the women all wore hats to church. And her and my friend was like, you could wear a hat or you could not. I don't care. She really didn't. But she was kind of like, you could not wear a hat and be the scandalous one woman in the entire church not wearing a hat. And I think I, and now I can't even remember because I remember trying on some of her mom's hats. And I was like, I, this, this feels so weird to me. And I don't feel, I don't feel bound by the spirit to wear a hat to church. So I'm not going to, but I'm not doing it I wasn't necessarily doing it to make a statement at this church or to raise a scandal, but I wonder if if I had been thinking, would this be a stumbling block to somebody, and it would it be an expression of love and gratitude to this congregation for letting me worship with them, to just put on a hat? It's a different. Okay. It's just a different way of thinking about. Now let's talk about masks. Manners. Sorry. <laughs> Feel like let's rehash twenty twenty. Shall go back we? To cork dork. Well, twenty twenty one action. <laughs> No, but I mean, yeah. uh, no, I would say like, I know we've already hashed it out. We're morally obligated to protect life. I think we're morally obligated to more than to protect life. I know, but I'm just saying, yeah, that seems by degrees, uh, way like 
they're not even you can't compare being joyful to protecting life like you actually can i mean i think they're on a spectrum okay i think i'll spend another week or two thinking about it and pondering it but so far it's tripping me up uh, setting apart the word moral (laughs) obligation you god wants you to be happy you are called by god to show the reality of his saving grace in your life yeah somehow in your physical manifestation more often than not how's that yes uh i joyful is so subjective what does it mean for somebody to be joyful you know, I didn't get into that whole conversation. I don't, I don't need I don't to get into you. that conversation. No, no, Are you no, communicating no, no, no. Christ's love to the people <clears throat> around you in your daily countenance? Now that's a good phrase. Okay, we'll end it with that. And does that mean joyfulness? That's just a joyfulness away. How do you communicate Christ's love to oh, you're the people asking, around you? Okay. By your countenance. I'm going to leave that question right there. And you guys can respond to us on the Telegram group. I'll include the link to join that group. It's a private group. The invitation link is in the show notes. You can respond via email. TB2F, the number 2F, at pmpapamike.me. Or you can send us a postcard on our website. www.toobusytoflush.com. You should also throw in somebody emailed, texted, postcarded that the dispatch that they like getting news. From yes. The and I've started reading the dispatch as well. And so I have essentially three sources of kind of news briefs that I go through. And a lot of them, there's a lot of overlap, but there's also a lot of things that each focuses on. Um, but the narratives tend to remain the same. Hmm. Like they, they tend to support each other, Cool, uh, which I really appreciate. So the dispatch is put out by, Oh, what's his name? Married, um, married that Senator's daughter, uh, federalist guy. Oh, Ben Dominic, Ben, ben Dominic's group. Oh, I think he does that hmm. dispatch. It's one of many things. They actually have one on cybersecurity and technology. Really like that one. Hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, that's it for the show. And uh, if you have any other things you want to share with us or tell us or otherwise, you can use those uh, those three methods. Um, we really appreciate it when you share the show with your friends and family and people you care about. It's probably the biggest compliment we can ever get um, or you could ever get us. So uh, that said, um, we plan to be with you next week. Lord. Lord willing. Willing. There's no end of the world yet. We'll be there. World War Three has not with started our yet. Happy faces on. Yeah, we'll be joyful for you guys. In our voices, not just our faces, because you can't see our faces. Yes. That's why we have faces for podcasts. I do. Podcast face. Podcast face. Face for radio. Face for podcasts. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye.